Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games, or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Welcome, everybody, to This Week in Game, episode 180. Full house today, and we're going to talk about private equity eyeing Ubisoft as the next big gaming acquisition. We're going to talk about Razer uh, doing Twitter, uh, or ex essentially going from public to private. Uh, we're going to talk about how, oh, not how, we're going to talk about making Diablo Immortal for PC. And most importantly, we're going to talk about Eric Sufert losing his facial hair. What happened? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's... It, there's there's probably less drama than than you you would hope for. I just it's really hard to shave a mustache in the shower, uh, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm not even gonna try to do this. So like, I just shaved everything. Like, if you're shaving in the shower, you don't. I don't have a mirror in the shower, so I'm just shaving. Mm -hmm. And so what I used to do is I used to look up into the shower head, which is like metallic, and try. But it was all distorted, and so I tried to like <laughs> get it just right, so I didn't cut the mustache off. And I was like, you know, I don't have time for that today, so I just shaved everything. I think the laziness and overshare. Yeah. <laughs> This well, what? it counts as an overshare. <laughs> TMI, too much information. <laughs> too much, it might be too, too much information. <laughs> All right. Um, go ahead, Eric, Chris. Oh, I got nothing. I you got your, nothing? I want to hear your self-serving. Oh, oh, I got lots of things today. I, 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 I am. Uh, I had a rough day yesterday. I don't know. I was just in a bad mood. I was in Reno all weekend for a volleyball tournament. It was fucking And that gets misery. you to a bad and mood. And then my... And then I had to reply. No, no, no. What happened was I drove tires that I should have been driving. Now this is an overshare. And I, these things could have blown at any moment. So I had to get new tires for this goddamn car, which is impossible to find because they're just really rare. And I just was like, just stressing so hard about driving this car home. And so it, it created this whole weekend of stress for no fucking reason, just because it was my fault that I didn't get it fixed beforehand. So Anyway, so it carried over until my Tuesday because that was a three-day uh, tournament, and I, I had a bad day yesterday. So anyway, I'm a little bit uh, feisty, I would say. Uh, but I want to hear the self-promotion, Mr. Mishka, before we continue. All right, Let's, Adam, anything, anything you want to share from Canada? All good. There's nothing. That sounds like Canada. That sounds exactly like Canada. 
He's in, he's in Toronto, dude. What's in Toronto? Nothing. The but. six. There's everything. It's it's popping. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Self promotion. We didn't haven't done that this for a long while. So we broke the um, one million listens in a, maybe a month ago. So that's good. Now the awesome. uh, the the only stat that it shows is one M. It doesn't even show the K's anymore. So so uh, so apparently you guys keep listening and we keep producing content. Um, most importantly, like there's thanks in order, and in this case, it's thanks to all the hosts. Uh, we got five hosts on this podcast already: Eric Kress, Eric Suford, Adam Telfer, Ethan Levy, uh, with his tokenomics nonsense. Wait, he's <laughs> not a host, right? He's like a he's like a fill in. He's not a host. No, 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 no. He's, <laughs> oh my god, Ethan! Ethan is a, Ethan is a beast. He's uh, he's climbing the ranks, doing the uh, the podcast now, focusing more on crypto stuff. So he's he's great. And um, of course, as always, we're gonna thank our sponsors: Google, Iron Source, AppSlayer, Exola, the ones have we that have supported us before, and the ones that are being uh, enrolled to support us in the future. So we keep making this content in a highly unprofessional way. I got a sushi platter in front of me because we're all busy just eating and talking at the same time. So, um, thank you everybody. And, um, yeah, let's get into, uh, let's get into the updates, right? Well, I just, I just want so I don't, I don't mean to hate on Ethan. Ethan, I love you. Uh, <laughs> just joking. Uh, so I got invited to do this panel, uh, or this, this metaverse conference hosted by Jeffries and, um, and they were like, yeah, we want to put you on a, on a, on a panel with somebody else. Here's the list of people. And I was like, and Ethan was on there. I was like, only, I will only talk to Ethan about this because <laughs> the rest of these people, like, like Ethan, he, he's drank, he's drunk the Kool-Aid, right? I mean, he's, he's all, he's fully bought in, but at least he like brings reason to his arguments, right? At least he brings logic, right? He's a reasonable person. You can have a conversation with him about crypto stuff. The other people on the list, I was like, hell no. Like I would, I would pull a press. I would, I would my head would explode and you would just see like, <laughs> like bloody giblets in my laptop camera if I had to talk to them in any substantive way. So Ethan, you're one of the good ones. Appreciate having you on the podcast. I still think you're kind of a fill in, but I guess that's not my call to make. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Wow, shots fired. All right. All right. So let's get Crest heated up right away. Uh, so new zoo, shout out to new zoo. Thank you for doing this. Released a new report about state of esports and live streaming for the year so far. Now, according to this report, esports will create quite a big, quite a bit of revenue before the end of the year. Almost, they're very, very exact, $1.38 billion. It also predicts that esports revenue will exceed $1.86 billion in, sorry, 2025. Now, most of the revenue, about third, is apparently coming from China. And almost 60% of all esports revenue will come from sponsorships. Nuzu expects the global esport audience to reach 532 million by the end of uh, by the end of the year and 240 million by by 2025. Now, I was kind of like searching comparison to these numbers because they are quite random, and I found tennis. So tennis in comparison is apparently roughly the same size in terms of the audience as as esports. And uh, I looked at some revenue numbers in World Tennis Association estimated a record-breaking global audience of 700 million viewers for their tournaments in 2019. Now, since then, I don't know if tennis has grown or, or decreased. I don't, I don't know what has happened in pandemic, but that, that's been in between. And in terms of revenues, what makes traditional sport different is they actually get a lot of revenue from broadcasting. So, for example, in U.S. alone, ESPN pays $70 million annually to show tennis on, on TV and these kind of deals are done per country basis. So, for example, in UK, the same rights have been sold to Amazon. So you have to subscribe to Amazon Prime to watch tennis before it was on, on Sky Sports. Now, my take, uh, I think esports has failed to become profitable really to anyone but the few players who are attending the tournaments and, and I don't know, playing in these beautiful mansions and on these teams. Uh, I think the events... I, I, I try to kind of get into esports on some of the games that I like to play and like to follow. I think the events continue to be skewed towards very niche, hardcore audience. And you can see it with the, with the, with these streams that are pretty much endless. Uh, unlike traditional sport, they're like watching cricket. Uh, and I think they would do better if they would focus on 
more condensed programming where you can come in and watch for, you know, there's a tournament that would last two hours, three hours, not like this tournament lasts for nine hours at a, at a time. So um, anyway, I think I think esports is um, continues to be hyped, even though it's it's uh, it's decreased from the uh, from the previous hyping numbers. All right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's two simple words, mice nuts, you know. <laughs> There's far more money that's been invested in esports than money generated from esports at this point. I think that's just a fact, right? And it's just always going to be a marketing expense for the most popular games. And that's about it, right? And I think it does help support these games and what they do, League of Legends and, and others. But it's Maybe. not a great business. Yeah, I, I think I mean, it could. They, but there are games that try to, to go to esports really soon. Like we're going to do esports and it doesn't support them. And in fact, they, they lose money. And we know that Riot has been losing money on esports. Like we were talking about, um, I remember we covered the article where they talked about getting it into profitable. I, I, I might be remembering wrong, so please don't quote me on this. But I kind of remember that, that they were talking about esports not being profitable for them. It's marketing investment. So even yeah, if no, Riot exactly. can't make it profitable, then, then who can? Um, it all right, can't. There's two. But 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 like that's also not the point. Yeah, but no, for some Adam, companies no, it is. No, Adam, that's see. This is what this is what drives me crazy. If people <laughs> said that it is a marketing expense, I, I dude, go for it. I, I have no problem with esports. I think it's amazing. I think it's gives, it provides the people what they want, right? But that's not what they the way they pitch it. Like companies have been built. Oh, oh no, I, I'm not talking okay. about how they pitch it. In my okay, brain, gotcha. market right. expense. Right. And you should do that, it. That <laughs> is not the way people perceive it. They perceive it as some like, you know, they're going to be the next NBA or something. I I, I can't solve the the way people <laughs> perceive it. People are going to spin things the way that they yeah. All right. We're, we're spinning it the right way over here. Right, yeah. Moving on. It's not, it's not like somebody yeah. pitches that tennis or NFL is a marketing expense and everything else is around it is fine. Anyways. Um, Okay, next next article. One more game raises twenty two million to build Spellcraft strategy game. Now, this is a little bit of a longer update. It's not just an update that they raise money, and I do have a point in the end. But one more game, or let's just call it OMG. Uh, OMG is a game studio built by veteran developers behind Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, 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 Guild Wars. Uh, the the fun the this round was led by Lightspeed Ventures. And also joining in this round are Griffin Gaming Partners. And of course, if somebody says X Blizzard or X Riot, Andreessen Horowitz is there investing right away. That's, dude, that's the, the, dude, Andreessen must have like a tent outside of yeah. fucking Blizzard, right? Just waiting Wyatt. for people to come through to sign up with them. It's like nuts, dude. What yeah. is going on? They, they spin off like funds and game studios out of Riot. They, they must have like a corner office somewhere in Riot. Just, but anyways, um, and and good, good for them. It's I'm not saying that that's bad. It's just funny. Anyway, uh, the first game from OMG is Spellcraft. It's a PC first genre defining online competitive strategy fantasy game. PC first genre defining online competitive strategy fantasy game. I just want to say it. It's a there's a, there's a lot of things here. Uh, now the studio has more than 25 people, and they are all remote. Um, studio is based out of Seattle, but everybody works remotely. The studio has been in uh, the game has been in development, um, and they are applying this novel alpha driven development approach to rapidly iterate on gameplay with feedback from real players. So that means that the announced game or now announced Spellcraft has been in operating as a live service with a regular playtest for a small group of players since late 2020. Now. This is nicely put. They're essentially being playtesting, to my understanding, because they said that only about 100, pe 100 people externally have played this game. So it's not like it's been in live service externally if only 100 people have played it. Uh, maybe this is the uh, the reporting that is off in, in VentureBeat, but you know, I wouldn't call it live service. I would say it's been active testing. Now, investors say uh, that Pat Wyatt, the founder, and James Windsor, the founder, are a killer founding team as gaming establishment meets next-gen gaming with Pat's nine years at Blizzard launching Battle.net, multiple iconic games, and then co-founding ArenaNet, and Jamie's history at Riot Games and ArenaNet, uh, said Amy Wu of Lightspeed, and she's not at Lightspeed anymore. She's now at FTX. Um, okay, on to my take. My take. So, what, what what's ArenaNet? Uh, it's a it's a developer. I think they had Guild Wars. Was that the game from ArenaNet? Can you check it, it like, out? Is it Guild Wars? It's an online gaming. I'm just gonna Google it. Provider. 
Yeah, yeah, they Ooh, did Guild Wars too. Okay, um, yeah. So, yeah, so they they, they so did Guild Wars too. My take has MMO. little, like, some to do to this, but more to do what Nat, what um Adam you talked about in the last podcast. And you talked about Joe's Joseph Kim's uh, Game Makers podcast where he talked about his Series A, and as guest he had his investors um who invested in his in his uh, Series A. Now, one of his investors is Galaxy Interactive, and and Michael Fan, who's partner at Galaxy Interactive, was on this podcast, and somehow he ended up being he ended up talking about uh, founding teams, and he was quite quite critical about these uh, top tier um, funded game companies, as you know, as as this one where they said like X Blizzard, X Riot, X big massive company founders, and he said that working at these companies is. I'm paraphrasing. He said that working at these companies is totally different than working at a startup. When you work at these big companies, he said, like, when you snap a finger, you got all the resources in front of you, all the, all, everything is done, all the people are here, uh, and and it's totally different than than the amount of resources you have at your disposal when you're in a startup. It's it's just a fraction of that. And if you're not used to it, if you're not used to being scrappy, uh, you'll likely fail. And vice versa, I think, is true for people coming from startups and going to or small companies and going to big companies, uh, it's just such a different game with 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 the management managing up and and not focusing what you're doing but focusing what you're communicating. Anyways, so what I'm trying to say is not I'm not trying to undermine OMG here. I'm just thinking about all these studios of X Blizzard, X Riot that have gathered these monster founding rounds, funding rounds, uh, namely from A16Z and. I personally don't know if these companies have shipped anything to date. I just know that that there are quite many of of these X Riot, X Blizzard companies, and kind of listening to so, that, I think Mike but, but, had a point. This one with with this one in particular, though, right? Like in this one in particular, um, they they co-founded yeah. ArenaNet, which already was a Blizzard spinoff from what was it twenty. Uh, 2000, right? Like they they already succeeded as a spinoff and they built ArenaNet, they built Guild Wars 2, which was a very successful MMO. So I, I agree with that 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 gener- generalization of, of Blizzard and Riot employees, yeah. but I think these guys in particular, Pat and Jamie, have done the spinoff properly and clearly have been able to ship products outside of that kind of unlimited funding. Yeah. Within. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that, so I, th- I think they're, they're definitely worth the 22 million. Right in this case, go ahead. Yeah, I think in, the, in, the, in this in this case is warranted. I mean, they've done they've they've been there, done that, right? They've built a successful company and they, they sold it to NCSoft, right? So I think you know, they exited. I, but but I, I I do get I get skeptical when I just read these headlines and like some some you know out, outrageous number is raised by X big co game devs because it's like unless i mean there's a, there's just there, so yeah there there's these sort of environmental differences and there's the resource differences and and there's the the degree to which you have to do stuff yourself that in a big co someone else would do for you um and th- and those are like substantive differences between operating in a startup and operating in a big co but my bigger question is like what does that even mean right like cuz cuz your experience being like a level designer uh, you know, on League of Legends or whatever, or like, and you know, whatever, you know, a, a character balancer on League of Legends. Does that mm. qualify you to build a game? I mean, these companies are big, and especially like Riot, like they have. I mean, yeah. uh, people might argue they have they have one really big successful hit game, right? And they but they employ like thousands of people, and so you know anybody could and and this happens because people come out of facebook and they do the same thing but they kind of claim a lot more credit for the success of the game than they probably actually contributed right and so if you join riot in 2020 and you were like you know whatever an economist or you were a character designer even a pm yeah but even a pm for some really specific component of the game right like does that mean Right. Does that mean you're you're uh, you've you've got success launching sh- uh, shipping successful games? But to me, that does. Or you've got experience la- shipping successful games. To me, that doesn't. Right. That game was successful. There was momentum. It was a rocket ship. You sort of joined it in orbit <laughs> and and started working on like uh, you know a rotary piston in the engine eight. Right. Versus like yeah, we built this thing in our garage. Right. Like so I I always I always just I just I just wonder like how much due diligence could possibly be done digging into the actual contributions of these people when they say I'm X, whatever, I'm X big company. 
And it's not just these companies. I don't want to single them out, but you see this happen all the time. Especially like you get people that are like, oh, I was ex growth at Facebook. And then you, you ask some people and they're like, I never heard of that person. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, they were an analyst on the growth team. Um, and they were like, you know, basically the bottom of the ladder. And then they, you know, they go and pitch themselves as ex growth at Facebook. And it's also like, well, they joined Facebook in 2019. So like, well, Facebook's already kind of an, an established Bro. company at that yeah. point. How much did you really contribute? And and just to be clear, I don't mean to dog at all at OMG or one more game at all. I would just kind of this news came in as I was listening to the podcast with with Joe and Michael Fan talking about about this, and I kind of raised it up. But but you, there's a clear point. Like they've done a startup before, and then I just started thinking about there's so many startups that that have spun out of Blizzard. I mean, it feels like there's three every quarter, and every one of them gets like 15 million seed fund. Yeah, I mean. My thought here is that like we haven't seen any products from any of these companies that have spun out yet. I think one of the first ones that spun out was Second Dinner, and and I imagine that they should be relatively close. But uh, even if I knew, I couldn't tell you. Uh, Bonfire, I, I think, was the first one. And, and Dreamhaven, yeah, and Bonfire Dreamhaven was the first still, one. Remember, yeah. nothing right? Oh yeah, and they have the multiple studios. Yeah. No, I think Second Dinner was before uh, what's his name left. Bonfire. But anyway, yeah. But either way, like on on this pitch particularly on omg right like these guys have already proved that they can spin off they can build a startup yeah. from from ground up with arena net and guild wars and become successful so this, yeah. they're well worth it but the one thing is with the pitch it sounds like it's like a pvp real-time strategy yeah that's uh, and i don't wow. know right <laughs> like, like especially to come from mmos like the success they have from guild wars mmos are 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 big now they, they, like i think we've gotten over the thing of like there's only world of warcraft and that's it right why not build a competitive pvp um and mm. mill yeah. right use use that that talent instead of going directly against mobas right now which is basically what rts what an rts game would be yep. yeah I, would say that, I think that that's a bigger the product challenge is interesting like that's i mean <laughs> Anyways, all, all the best to OMG. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> I want to move on to shilling a couple of Finnish companies. I would say the Rovio has no no. What, what would go ahead, dude? This is not news. This is not news. The Stop Rovio it. has passed five billion what? downloads. Who cares? Who the fuck cares? I like these still say. hyper casual companies that probably have done five billion downloads. I don't okay, know the well, there's another company. Well, well Stufer was was head of uh, was is yeah. ex growth yeah. at Rovio. Stufer at least brought like career. four billion out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. I did. I did launch the singular successful game. All right, next. Yeah, AB2. Uh, okay, I can say that that Fingersoft, another Finnish company, just passed two billion in downloads. You probably play, played hill climb racing Stop and those kind of games. Quoting downloads. <laughs> I don't even want to hear about downloads. Stop. <laughs> Shout out to hill climb. Moving racing. on. Uh, all right, uh, let's let's move on to correction about not correction, but yeah, correction about huge. So got a lot of feedback from from huge. So thank you for that. We kind of covered it. <laughs> Uh, without diving too deep, uh, and we should have probably read the uh, the quarterly annual report uh, before before talking about uh, about the huge stuff. No, actually, on my, actually, I, honestly, <laughs> honestly, the, the last thing you do is try to read the spin that people yeah. that people put in their annual reports and their press releases. Right? You need to look at data that is independent of that, um, or read through the data more carefully because what you're going to say is irrelevant at this point because yeah. you're what, go ahead, what, continue. what I just want to mention that I, I said that they failed to grow and buy because that was their strategy. Uh, objectively, I said that. I was looking at sensor tower data. I should have pulled the data and kind of see that that actually the revenue growth from, from well, it was quite rapid before they IPO'd. And even from 2020 to 21, it was like t- 10 or 11 or 12%. So, so they were growing and really growing rapidly since 2017. And their EBITDA has been increasing rapidly as well. I think they they pulled back on the installs and uh, in the second half of 2021, and that's when EBITDA started growing again. Um, and in terms of buy, they did actually buy a game, and that was Traffic Puzzle. And I kind of forgot because I've written about Traffic Puzzle before, maybe three years ago, and Huge originally published this game. And then what happened was what happens with every th- fucking time when you publish a free-to-play game, because when you need to start I don't know if this happened to them, but based on the data, it looks like it. So it started declining after that it was published because the game was successful. And then the publisher wants to pump more money into advertising. And the, per, the the team that has developed the game wants to get money and get paid for the game. So they start sandbagging the development and all this shit happens. And, and what ends up 
occurring is either the publisher purchases the uh, the developer or it purchases the assets of the game. And in this case, they pur purchased Traffic Puzzle, the game. And after the purchase, the game started growing again. Uh, and um, and it showed a quite impressive growth post-acquisition. Uh, at the moment, it makes about 10% of all the company revenues uh, and around 12% like the, the new franchise make about 12% of all the revenue. So, so quite small, but, but still. And according to Sensor Tower, this game make, makes around 2 million in gross revenue uh, and is quite stable at this level. Uh, but overall, it's still a fact that 88%, closer to 90% of revenue is still coming from existing social casino franchises. So that puts the company to a point where, where they need to, as any social casino company, look into diversifying their portfolios. So that statement still applies. So a little bit of a correction. Yes, they were growing. Um, and yes, they acquired a successful asset. But I don't think the big picture changed that much. Um you know, you know who pissed me off the most on this one in particular? It's not, it's not huge, like coming back at us and basically saying, you know, like fix what you said, but it's Adam Telfer. Oh. Adam suggested oh. that I just flippantly tell people stuff that that I didn't look into. I'm like, dude, Adam. But like, are, are you going to take are you going to take the financial reporting no, because, they have to do as a no, public company, or are you going to take no, the financial reporting is his ancient history, dude? It's last year. The, the, what I was talking about is the slowing growth in Q4 and the slowing growth in Q1. That's how you predict what the future mm -hmm. will be, right? They haven't reported for Q1 yet because Q1 is not going to look good, right? Because basically what I said is exactly the, the case, right? First of all, the consensus growth in their own it, uh, on their own website is that they only are going to grow 2.6% in calendar 22 and 5% in calendar 23, which is freaking anemic, right? That's not growth by the way, for the record. I mean, that's not what investors want from a growth perspective. But Sensor Tower is showing a 2% decline in Q4 of 21, right? Which is consistent with how they reported historically, but a 15% decline year over year in Q1 of 22, right? And so the growth is clearly slowing right now. And if this trend continues, they're not going to be growing at 2.6%. They're going to be declining like 5 to 10% if, 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 if these trends continue, right? And their biggest franchise, which is basically they have two games that matter ultimately, right? Even that game that you were suggesting is, is, is tra traffic puzzles small. It's casino slots and billionaire casino slots, right? <laughs> two of the same games with a different name, right? Um, you know, that, again, I think it's 80% of the revenue, right? That one declined 16% year over year in Q1, according to Center Tower. They are deeply being impacted by IDFA and on all these issues that are happening. And that's what the, what, 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 what the story is, right? And so... I wasn't inaccurate. I looked at the data. I don't do say stuff just because I want to say stuff, right? So fundamentally, sometimes this is you do. Problem. No, I don't. <laughs> but I'll correct myself if I do. Right. <laughs> so look, investors give value to companies that have growth or potential for growth, right? Huge, hugest growth is tepid at best. And current trends suggest that actually the meagle growth will actually turn negative if, if these trends continue. So Wall Street is not going to accept that over the long term, right? That's not thing. And actually, we will talk about something later in in the podcast about what what these challenges are for companies like Huge. But but um, but anyway, I'm not inaccurate in my data, right? This is what Sensor Tower says. Now, if Sensor Tower is wrong and they post like a 10% growth quarter in Q1, then okay, right? Then we'll have to correct it. But ultimately, that I don't think that's going to happen, right? I've been doing this for what? 15, 20 years now, like I've been tracking at Sensor Tower data or App Andy data to reported results, and they all relatively tie out with very, very few exceptions. So we will see. All right. And so how do you how do you account for ad revenue there? Especially when it's a company here that one of their top games is is pretty ad revenue. Because it's just a, it's it's a well that that is something that they don't track. True, but but it's such a small percent of the overall business. It's not as relevant. Right. What's driving their business? The fact that their top game is down 16%, right? And if that's true in an in-app purchase yeah. basis, yeah. they're they're hosed, right? So anyway. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. 
after recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro/dof or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. I I don't I don't comment. I was thinking a lot about this uh, after we recorded, and because uh, I mean, we were talking about um, we were talking about the fact that they brought in a co CEO last last week, and like you know if there are any implications uh, to be read out of that. And I would say no, right? Because I feel like if you look at what Anton has done with Huge, I mean, he's basically beat the game, right? Like if you think about the journey uh, as an entrepreneur um, and what it involves and what takes shape over time, like the, 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 the main boss beating the game is going public, right? So you start something from zero, uh, you will something into existence. You grow it and grow it and grow it. You get to the point where you're able to bring it to life as a public company. You've beaten the game, right? And then like, all the rest is underwater levels, right? Everything that comes after beating the game is underwater levels. And I, I guarantee you, if you bought a game, you downloaded it on PlayStation, and you played it, you invested hours and hours and hours, and it was frustrating, but it was rewarding as you did it, and you beat the final boss. And the game said, hey, you know what? There's still some more content. You don't have to leave. You can keep playing. It's just there's nothing but underwater levels left. Would you stick around? No. <laughs> all right, all right. It's like Elden okay, Ring. Forget the you get to replay Elden Ring underwater. No, I just think <laughs> no, but being, a, being a public company CEO is you're dealing with all of a sudden you're just dealing with like investor relations and managing the narrative, right? Like it's all just that administrative stuff that you probably never really got into entrepreneurship to do, right? You beat the game and now you're in endless underwater levels. And it makes sense that you'd want to then okay. – yeah, go ahead. Enough with the enough with the underwater analogies. You're right. Anton is a fucking badass, right? These guys crushed it, right? And I'm sure he's very wealthy for it. But you know, the 80 year old lady that has all her 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 savings into the stock is just going to get annihilated, right? So she's not she's going to suffer because of this, right? Because the, all the, no, I'm just joking. Anyway, Who's my this point 80 year old is, lady with all of her money. <laughs> One company stuff. You know, they they love huge games. They play this because Eric Eric is the defender of retirement. Exactly. No, but imagine, imagine, imagine one of their players of one of their casino games says, "Oh, I love this game. I love this company. I'm investing my entire nest egg in huge games." Right? That's kind of messed up, you know, because they're they're pushing pushing the narrative. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. That would be they should not do that, especially that close to retirement. What do they know? All right, moving on. They're already That's playing it. social casinos, so they should know. <laughs> yeah. House wins. Yeah. They're, exper- they're experienced gamblers. Oh, my God. By the way, just for the record, I don't know if any of you guys have been to Reno before, but Reno is like the cesspool of the earth. And if there's any, any example of why gambling should not be legalized anywhere on this planet, it's you go to fucking Reno and watch these wretches sit there and play social casino games till four in the morning. And I had to wake up with my daughter at like eight in the morning, walk through these casinos and see these fucking d- disasters of human beings walking around like zombies, losing all their money. It was, it was horrific. And, and we had to explain them. We had to talk to these girls and explain to them what this was and why this exists, you know? And, and, and we just, I just, it, I just felt, I felt bad about humanity. Every sounds time like I go the, to Reno, it's the same thing. Sounds like, like downtown San Francisco yeah, yeah, yeah. to me. No, but like if we if we change if we change that lobby of the casino instead of them all playing that they're playing Dota, they're playing like <laughs> League of Legends. <laughs> no, but that's, that's cool though. Those are cool games. I want to. Yeah, exactly. So, but we're, you know we're in the midst we're we're in the midst of earnings season right now, um, which is I I love it. I live for this. I live for this uh, this this moment every quarter. And uh, we had we had we had uh, Snapchat, which we had a decent decent beat. Google missed yesterday. Google missed why or what was like the focal point in the miss YouTube YouTube growth 16% year over year that and 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 what did they attribute it to direct response slowdown in direct response right ATT 
the specter of ATT is still with us. It's not over. I just want to point that we got Facebook tonight. We got Pinterest. Pinterest tonight is going to be a bloodbath, I think. Although it's already down, and Facebook's way down. Um, we got a number of names coming up that I think are looking at a pretty turbulent few years dealing App- with ATT. How about like Apple? How about the three? The trifecta cheaters, AppLovin, IronSource, and and Unity. I mean, do you think they have strong quarters? I mean, no comment, man. I don't know. That's not. Let's move on. What are we talking about this for? This is boring. You fucking brought it up, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Oh, I, I, I see what you're doing here, right? They should actually have good quarters, if, if, if I'm correct. But whatever. What do I know, dude? But they're 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 doomed ultimately. God, dude, the stocks are just getting freaking. I mean, every time right. I get on this podcast, I say the same thing. It's like it is. How is your how is your business doing right now? Oh, actually, no. This is actually. In, in some ways, good for me, because these are the opportunities for people to buy and to short, right? Shorting is really hard in this market, right? But now all the shorts guys are doing extremely well because none of these companies' valuations made sense. Roblox, AppLove, and IronSource, Unity, all these guys deserve kind of where this correction is. So, so you're doing actually really well because everybody's like, who should I Yeah, and I've been that? saying this for like, what, the last yeah. year about Roblox, yeah. Yeah. about Apple. You say short everybody, so now yeah, you're right. I, yeah. No, I mean, I'm right, you know, a, a broken clock's right twice a day or whatever. Anyway, all right. Well, you know what, but, but you know what, Apple, I've been, so it's down 3% today. It was down 7% yesterday. It's at $37. It was at, it was, Crazy. It, was it was trading at 112 in November, right? And it debuted oh. at, at 80 so I mean, it's, it, you know, it's Facebook, Facebook too, though. Facebook's at one seventy. It was at three hundred a couple months ago. I kind of want to buy Facebook, but anyway, all right, we're not talking stocks. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, this is about about what I said last week about the advertising on console and PC, right? I I think I probably should do a deeper analysis than saying "fuck" as loud as I can is as long as I can, right? So, <laughs> so here it goes. Um, so my point last week was we've been here before, right? EA and Activision looked at advertising eons ago. Microsoft bought Massive for like $300 million in 06 and shut it down in 2010, right? And there are some fundamental reasons why this is not going to work and this didn't work then and it's likely not going to work now, right? First of all, customers don't want ads in their games. It's called interactive for a reason, right? Versus passive entertainment. Any type of advertising pulls you out of the interactive experience. You know, there are some exceptions, billboards and sports games, but for the most part, adding the shit in shooters or action games makes no sense and is not something the customer wants, right? Developers don't want ads in their games, right? You have to engage the game developers. You have to get them on board to put the shit in their games. They don't want that. Like, and and they're not going to comply, right? That's the problem. That was a fundamental problem that happened during that time last time, right? Putting ad creatives in games is fucking hard. Right, the engines are not designed for this. Right, the, the the way the engines are built are not designed to rotate ads or to build in these like things. Now, I'm sure the tech has gotten a lot better since then, but that was a big problem back then. You know, maybe Epic creates the capability within Unreal. I fucking doubt it, <laughs> but that's possible. It's possible, right? But it's going to be a technology challenge, no matter what, right? The fourth thing: customers don't want ads in their games, right? Okay. <laughs> Second, fifth thing: measurement is challenging, right? How do you actually define what a uh, uh, Impression is when you're advertising within a game, right? I'm sure they have tons of creative ways of figuring it out. And these new tech guys are like, you know, like sporting this bullshit. But ultimately, it's not measurable the way other me- other advertising mediums are. And f- the sixth thing, and this is the one of the most important, there are far more easy ways to reach this audience. I have spoken to numerous brand marketers, marketing people in the world. There are far better ways of hitting this 18 to 44 year old demographics than fucking up their games with advertising. All right. That's, that's is a fundamental point that has been said over and over again, back then and to this day, right? Finally, customers do not want ads in their games, right? They don't want to shell out $500 for a console and get fucking pop-ups and bullshit in their, in their content. That's just, that is what, that, that is the challenge, right? It's like, now, the pushback here is that free-to-play didn't exist back then, and so now we have all these free-to-play games in which advertising may be acceptable. But really, right? Fortnite, Apex, Call of Duty, you know, like these huge games? Like what percent of the market in terms of people, in terms of engagement, is from these games versus others, right? How much inventory can you build outside of those games? They're not going to implement ads, right? Because they're trying to reinforce their fucking microtransaction models, right? Not ad advertising, right? Anyway, I am sure... 
I am missing all kinds of issues and solves that these new technology companies have. I haven't been talking to any of the new companies that are out there like pitching this bullshit, right? But, but, but it's just a bad idea. Like it's just a bad idea to do on console. It doesn't make sense. It is a premium experience. Let's keep it that way. And let's keep the customers happy because they are going to revolt if you start fucking throwing ads at them while they're playing in, in the interstitials while they're playing, you know, Elden Ring or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. All right. That's my rant on that. But it, it's definitely not for Elden Ring. We're, we're specifically talking doesn't about matter. Fortnite, Apex Legends. All right. That, Warth, doesn't matter. It's right? just the principle. Because that's probably the majority of I think it depends how you, how, how you put them in and also in what kind of games you put them in. If you put them in, like... World of Warships, which is on console, which I, you know, play sometimes. Like, that fits. I, if I can get some doubloons or whatever yep. the, the currency is by watching some some ads, if I can choose to watch the video ad and it's... Uh, so you're talking about a rewarded, yeah, rewarded video, video ad placement, placement in, that I can choose to watch on a console, I do that. But I agree that if there's pop-ups and, and kind of like the worst type of uh, ad monetization practice, like the, uh, the hyper-casual practices... Of uh, of draconian pushing of ads, you mean interstitials. yeah, interstitials and you know everything, everything, the banners and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that they're planning to do that. I think they're they're planning to do more integrated. Because I think what Crest is really pushing back on, what I think Crest is really pushing back on, is Fortnite, Apex, Warzone, World of Tanks, World of Warships having mm-hmm. billboards in their game, right? Where yeah. when you're in the battle arena, you're shooting a bunch of other people. And there's a Coca-Cola ad on the wall, right? Like, how do you measure that? Yeah, the, that? the problem you, in you this news, they and then but, but, shoot hear, it. Hear me out, Adam. Like, <laughs> like the, in this, in this, uh, I think in this article, they were talking about building an internal team that would go after uh, brands. So you would have like a sales team at Microsoft yeah. that goes, yeah, pre, pre, yeah, premium, and then premium and, brands out of the goodness think of about their heart. This sales team help connect. The, Fortnite Apex yes. Warzone. Yes. Again, that's the majority but, of engagement on consoles. This team will, will come yeah, yeah. in and they uh, they say, we got this deal with Pepsi and they will come in to respawn. Like, this is the deal. We can make $3 million. And they'll be like, fuck off. Like, we make $3 million a day by just selling skins. Second, We're not going to yeah. do a Pepsi battle pass. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> no. No, no. No, like, hold on, hold on. Sponsor... Pepsi Man yeah. Battle Pass. I, that's not a the terrible Mountain idea. Dude the challenge. Fortnite skin with Pepsi Man. That 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 <laughs> seems like a thing that would happen. No, I, I and I think the sponsorship stuff works, right? Like you know, Pepsi or Coca Cola yeah, or yeah. Marvel or whatever going into those games. I'm not suggesting that's not right. I'm talking about like Pepsi Pepsi yeah. event. Right? That's like fine. They have all for all that's the fine. But Spider-Man, they already no problem with that. They, 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 already, they already do those. I know. I got exactly. no problem with that. Yeah, yeah that's it's, fine. It's the it's yeah. the advertising stuff like trying to embed advertising within these interactive experiences is just ridiculous right it's ridiculous it's not going to work it doesn't it didn't work before it's not going to work now and 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 you know we'll see everyone's well, pushing it sony microsoft whatever yeah. we'll just see. to uh All right. to piggyback just to piggyback on what Chris is saying i think it's super exciting i think it's a good idea i think this time is different it's going to work uh consumers are going <laughs> to love it <laughs> when they've got ad, re- ad, ad rewarded experiences in the next iteration of free to play games to come to console console is going to be a free to play gaming centric experience in five years driven by ads and microtransactions i'm here for it anybody out there wants some help and that's and that's that's exactly what crest is out of your mind i'm well, out I'm of here your mind it. i love it i love it we I'm got have we to update got. premium economics <laughs> we got we got All Dave right. Madden moving on. Player one, uh, probably this week or next week. Talk about in-game ads and AAA games. So we're on this. This is great. Really? <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, get me. Can I come on? Yeah, I want to come on and talk to him. Let's, Let's move, move on. on. Let's move on. I got no. a hard stop. Triple A goes actually free early. to play. Triple A yeah, goes free really. to play. All right. Quickly, private equity uh, eyeing Ubisoft as the next gaming acquisition. So evidently, big PE firms, Blackstone and KKR, are looking at Ubisoft. Um, again, not surprising because KKR and, and, and Blackstone look at a lot of this stuff. Um, but, but they are basically studying the French business and looking at preliminary takeover interest. Um, but they haven't entered into any serious no- negotiations yet, is what the Bloomberg sources are saying. According to sources from, this is a Kotaku article, which, you know, 
take it for what that is. But Ubisoft, uh, they have a, some contact at Ubisoft that basically said they're working with consulting firms historically to audit the business, to, to tidy up the books for sale is the speculation, which is not kind of nonsense, really, honestly. But um, And this Ubisoft CEO is basically neither confirming or denying that potential buyers have approached it. Um, Okay, and then the Kotaku gets stupid again because they're stupid, right? They basically said that claiming that they are getting Ubisoft at a huge discount because the price was 110 in 2018 and now it's 41, right? They're fucking morons, right? Absolute morons, right? The reason the stock is down more than half is because the company is fucking not performing, right? It's like, it's not worth what it was back then. It was doing well then, it's not doing well now. So that's not worth that because it was worth then but back then it's it's a ridiculous assumption right um and uh what else oh and they also say that the the ceo is looking for an exit right all right so again i continue to believe that ubisoft is probably the one the most mismanaged console pc company in the world right and well besides still front and um and uh, uh embracer no embracer is more at the highest level of that okay they have way of too many pet projects. There's not enough con concentration or focus on their core franchises. They continually make the same game over and over again. And that was a, a problem that existed with the uh, old boss who got fired for Me Too stuff. Um, but I think the opportunities are pretty high, um, you know, for a, a company to re take this over because the franchises are really, really well loved. And, 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 and there's a lot of appeal to those franchises. Um, so a private equity firm makes sense uh, because the company is relatively cheap, generally speaking, to their potential. But here's the fundamental problem. And I looked at this, and, and this is one of those things, these stats that I, 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 I tried to research it, but I, it, because it makes no sense to me that this is true. But if it is true, this is where the opportunity really lies. So if, if this is not 100% true, it's basically directionally true, right? Is that they said they have 22,000 people at Ubisoft right? 22,000, right? This compares to 11,000 for EA. EA generates $7.5 billion in revenue and Ubisoft generates $2.3 billion in revenue. So let's get this straight. They have double the number of employees and generate one third of the revenue of EA. Someone's doing something wrong, right? I mean, clearly that is, this is the fu fundamental problem. And this is why it's interesting to PE, right? It's because if they can write this ship and cut like half the people and generate more revenue, then they've actually gotten a huge return on this asset, right? Which I don't know if it's possible, but it seems plausible given what's going on because I think if you do the stat for Activision, it's very similar, right? Um, but there's huge risks with these type of transactions, right? Like, I don't know how many developers want to be part of Blackstone or or uh, or any of these other PE firms, right? So that that's one thing, right? Uh, they can lock up a lot of these employees, but ultimately, like, people are going to fall through the cracks and bail, right? And so their capabilities are going to be hindered, right? And if they do these broad sweeps of people, like basically fire everyone in Paris, for instance, right? That may cause, like, a ripple effect across the organization. Who knows, right? Um, you can't even do that. that like, they, French companies can't do that. They can't. No, I know. Like, it's yeah. really difficult to do that. No, and, and, and then this is their biggest problem. So these the reason I've been saying Ubisoft is not an acquisition target, so those things carry forward with the PE stuff is that French law is so onerous in terms of firing people that you have to pay them out for a certain period of time, like in an egregious amount of time, like five years or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Depending how long but, they worked at the company, you have to pay depending that and, and careers are probably long. at Yeah. Ubi. So in my understanding, the majority of the bloat for Ubisoft is in Paris and France in general, like they are just not making any games that matter out there versus like, you know, Montreal or um, other parts of their organization. Um, so anyway, all these challenges still exist um, with, with, with doing this, but the good news here is that if they can come to terms with Eve and, and his, his, his family who own, I think it's like 15 to 20% of the company or voting shares anyway, um, maybe they could, there's a way that they can coexist together and manage it together over this process. And, um, and, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if it actually materializes, but it, in some ways it's almost the only way out of this situation uh, that they put themselves in, because I just don't think there's an, 
I don't think there's an appetite at the highest levels to actually do this type of work that needs to be done and cut cut half the people. You know, they they have to like I, I don't know That's all I, I got. don't know much about Ubisoft. I, I you know because it's not a mobile company, but I did read about their latest mobile game that is coming out, the the Tom Clancy shooter, and part of that like they were kind of explaining how they made it. <laughs> there were eleven studios worldwide working on the mobile version of Tom Clancy. I'm not shitting you. I actually counted it. There's like everything from Shanghai to Helsinki to Paris to like everybody was giving feedback uh, and and apparently working together. And they were kind of saying how this collaboration was great, how how all the 11 studios came together on one mobile game. So uh, yes, based on that one anecdotal information, they might not be as... as um, as efficient than you could be. But on the other hand, I do have to say like, if their majority of development is out of Montreal, the salary, like due to the, uh, um, some kind of a tax reliefs of, of, or some kind of, uh, things that, that are happening in, in, in the, uh, the Quebec region of Canada, uh, the man hour or the, uh, you know, the salaries are essentially net lower than, than the employees that you would hire in, in say Romania, which is like, <laughs> all the Romanian listeners like, come on, you bastard. Please don't think bad about our country. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just, it's, it could, don't, there's nothing there's bad about it. It's not the wealthiest country of, of uh, Europe. Listen, there's a, I don't think they're part of the, uh, the Schengen Union where you can travel. No, no, Canada is, not the, Canada is not the wealthiest. Right, Romania. Right, moving on. Romania. <laughs> yeah, the Romania. Yeah, Romania is it's, a nice it's, country. It's, it's what most are, likely a nice yeah, country. No, it's, yeah, go ahead. Why? Are, wait, wait. This is irrelevant facts. Like the the fact of the matter is, they have twenty two thousand employees mm-hmm. when they should have less than ten thousand. Yeah. All I want to say is low that's cost. What that, like that's low what cost the reality in is. Canada. Yeah, low cost in Canada. It doesn't matter. Low cost. No cost. Whatever. The fact is, well, okay, whatever. Moving on. All right. Epic Games. Okay, so um, I just want to do a quick thing on this. So there's an interview with Tim Sweeney. It's on Fast Company. Um, it's a great interview. I think it covers some of the the, the news articles because I think I, I called out like Tim Sweeney uh, had a pretty snarky response to the the genies raise of I think it was 150 million for their avatar system. Um, he he went into a little bit de- a little bit of detail on here, but there was one quote here uh, from him which is important. So Fortnite Creative. Um, if you aren't aware, it's a set of tools that anybody can use to build their Fortnite, their own Fortnite island. This is coming from Tim. About half of Fortnite play right now it, by users is in content created by other players. Half is now in Epic content, right? So this is a very, very important stat. This is now reaching a tipping point where Fortnite Creative sounds like it's actually reaching a meaningful scale and driving a significant amount of their playtime, likely retention. Um, moving forward. Uh, from Tim, later this year, we're going to release the Unreal Editor for Fortnite and the full capabilities that you've seen in Unreal Engine is now going to be opened up so that anybody can build high quality game content and code and then deploy that into Fortnite Creative without having to do a deal with us. It's open to everybody. And this as well, he went into, of course, his anti-competitive stance on things like what's revenue share, how are you going to be able to handle this on across different platform owners, et cetera. But overall, this is really important news, right? Fortnite is moving towards more of a UGC uh, uh, endgame, right? And really, Epic is going to be miles ahead of anybody else going through the metaverse or, or chasing after the metaverse. I think we talked about this uh, two podcasts ago. Tim Sweeney is now officially James Halliday. <laughs> Let's just accept it. <laughs> So um, personally, I think it's just, it's it's great to see Fortnite shifting more towards UGC since I think this is just actually like, this is going to fuel its growth for the next decade. And like Fortnite Battle Royale was inevitably going to fade in engagement, right? It, it, it can only survive for so long. Um, but now shifting towards UGC at this scale makes perfect sense. And I also think it's just for everybody else in this industry that's going after metaverse, it's going to be near impossible to replicate. Like to build a Fortnite, there's only like a super small percentage chance anybody else can build a, a breakout hit at the same time, right? So only really Roblox now is is scaled to the point that they could compete with this, but they don't have Unreal Engine, right? It's far easier now for Epic to make Unreal Engine easy to build multiplayer games than it is for Roblox to upgrade their engine 
to appeal to a broader audience. So uh, with this news, I think the, the short term is that there's a huge opportunity for say game fam like studios uh, or developers to kind of jump onto Facebook creative mode early um, and build out experiences. Um, and for, for the long term, I just I continue to think that Epic has such a huge lead on the metaverse. So Sufer, you can use that on your panel with uh, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts? Otherwise, I'll move on to just Diablo. just quickly the fact that they're doing this much. Uh, well, consumers are consuming this much content without any real like tools and technology to build it out is awesome, right? And I, I agree with you, they're really far ahead. The only thing that concerns me about this is that they are, they, they there's no evidence that they are reaching out to developers to start using these these these, these engines or small developers. Like you talk about GameFam or something like that, right? Like I'm trying to find the evidence that they're actually doing biz dev, corp dev to go out and like recruit people to build content, you know, like compelling content for, with, with the new tools. It just doesn't seem like they're there yet. So maybe this is like, something that happens over the next couple of years as opposed to like something that we'll see like a great product next year. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they build up the tools. Um, and I don't think they need professional developers. They just need the, the guy that goes builds the mods for Dota two that blow up yeah, maybe, right, to, maybe. to come over here and instead build a shooter gameplay mode that nobody's seen before. Like they, they need scale of developers. They don't need necessarily professional at this point, right. uh, but it's still a, it's yeah, a great I, opportunity. Yeah. So let's move on to Diablo Immortal for PC. Um, so Blizzard announced that Diablo Immortals will launch on June 2nd, and it will not just release with iOS and Android, but also on PC through the battle.net launcher. Uh, the PR public facing reasoning for this is that they assumed that the community would emulate it anyways. <laughs> they would emulate it using things like BlueStacks, so they may as well just launch it on battle.net. Um, and, but I guess like they already had like keyboard support, they already had controller support in the mobile game. Um, I, I, they probably were planning this behind the scenes. I don't really buy it that this, oh, we just saw this. Let's just launch yeah, it. My understanding that the reason, part of the reason for the delay all this time was to get this kind of support on board. So, yeah. Um, the Blizzard fanboy response has been funny, as you'd expect, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> they still have plenty of scars from the uh, the announce at BlizzCon. The game that was about offering Diablo gameplay on the go is now on your PC. <laughs> was kind of the, the tagline, but whatever. The, the, this game's success doesn't really dictate based on this kind of vocal minority. Um, overall, I think it's actually, it's a good move, right? Like, there's... There's not like there's no Diablo game for so for a long time, right? There, this isn't really going to be cannibalizing anything of Activision's. Diablo three is pretty much dead, right? They're not seeing any revenue from it. Um, so there are this huge swath of hardcore Diablo players that are now moving over to um, like Lost Ark and Path of Exile, right? Why not move them over to NetEase um, and Diablo Immortals and give some good content to keep them engaged and keep Diablo top of mind. You can upsell them into Diablo 4 when that game launches. Um, and I think, I think technically Diablo Immortals is pretty much a full scope PC game from, from playing the alpha, right? Like you play through essentially a Diablo 3 game uh, until you reach the end game. And then the amount of live content NetEase is prepared to deliver is the same scale as a PC game. So, um, I, I really sense that like this really does feel like this is going to be like a premium game experience as an onboarding ramp, like a Diablo three experience into the double digits of hours, and then goes into an end game that is sounds like it's going to be PVP and raid content, but I actually don't know. But it's just funny though, like it's 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 almost like a backdoor that Activision figured out to make a free to play Diablo game, um, make the context more that this is a mobile game only, this is a Chinese game, uh, just a mobile game but then they launched it on PC anyways, with only a pretty minor community sentiment hit from my perspective. Um, also, they announced that they reached 30 million pre-registrations uh, for Diablo Immortals. Um, and I'm assuming this is only iOS and Android. This doesn't include the PC pre-reg. Uh, just to comp that PUBG New State had 40 million pre-registrations near their launch and got about 32 million downloads. Yeah, and only 40 like the date. <laughs> yeah. How long has it been out for? Like More half a year? Yeah. A little longer than that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like today, 40 different. minutes. So like you can't look at 30 million and say everybody's going to show up day one and it's all 
gravy from there. Obviously, there's going to be a percentage of that pre-reg that don't even download. Um, also, comping it to Apex Mobile, which I think just recently announced that they they surpassed 10 million in pre-registrations. Um, and also, Diablo's pre-registrations have been open for a long time. Like Apex has been much shorter, um, but pre Diablo's pre-regs have been open for for years, as far as I'm aware. Um, overall, I'm really excited to play this game, both personally and professionally. Like I think. This is going to be a game that really signals where the industry is going. Um, if they manage to stick the landing, then really more major PC console IP will be transitioning and competing directly with mobile. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? I don't know about that last point, dude. Like, <laughs> this seems like an exception more than a rule, right? Well, I, I, I think if, if they're successful on mobile, you don't think execs across the premium PC console industry will be saying, oh, we can do that. Not to their benefit, but, but I'm what, saying what, what genres make sense? Like because I I think this game is going to die really quickly. I don't think it's going to do very well. But like I think it'll download well, you know. But I I just don't yep. think it's going to monetize. Um, but anyway, but back to that point though, like like what games make sense to do cross platform in this way? Okay, so right now we've kind of proved that PvP services can work on mobile, right? Like COD Mobile, obviously very very successful. Wild Rift had success in China, not so much in the West. But, um, so, oh, okay, maybe maybe you and I are misunderstanding what I'm saying. So, but that's not like the same game, right? That's a completely different game, right? That's optimized for mobile. It's not like a peak console version of mobile those, game. Like COD Mobile is is a port of Call of Duty gameplay for no. mobile. I mean, Call of Duty what? Call of Duty no. Mobile is a mobile game. What do you mean? It's a totally separate game. Yeah, I know. I'm aware that it's a mobile game, <laughs> but it's it's it's. I would say 80% of, of the experience you get when you play Call of Duty. Uh, I don't oh, you're out of your right fucking now. mind. No. What? What do you mean? What? Like, it's, you, 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 like playing Call of Duty multiplayer on uh, PC console, you have team deathmatch, battle royale modes, PvE no, no, modes. No, no, no. It is right? a dumbed down version at best. Like, at best. Okay, it's dumbed down, but I'm still saying like it's 80%. No, of not 80%? You get no, the experience. No, no. All right, no, what? I don't know. All right. Well, I, we're, our definitions what? are different, right? So yes, you take okay. you take IP that that is in console PC and you bring it to mobile, one hundred percent. Like that's going to be something that happens forever and ever. But you're not yeah, taking. But we've. But I think we've proved. But, but I think we've proved that taking console IP and moving it to mobile and like changing the genre yeah. completely, like when Call of Duty went to like okay, build okay. and battle, like. Fuck that. That's not going to work. Staying true but to it. Ma moving Call of Duty over and making right. a shooter on but, mobile, right? But that, but I don't. I want to get away from... That has the same that, game. I, I don't want to get into like, the Genshin argument that you make the same game for one and the other and that can work because that can't work. No, no. That, that's what I'm trying to avoid. No, no. because So, like, that's the one cut of the market. But how many premium PC console games are successful PvP services, right? Like like a Call of Duty that you can do that transition. Right. There's not that many. So then you get into, okay, what, what PvE games... Like you, you can't transition most single player premium games to to mobile. It's just not going to be possible. The only ones are going to be these MMO like games, okay. and then you're getting right. into maybe we're not so far apart. But dude, you got to get rid of. You got to check yourself on the eighty percent nonsense. All right, I whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but it's not. It's not even that. It's just a different different uh, 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 player engagement styles, right? Like, so you're playing Call of Duty Mobile in a in a very different setting and in a very different mentality than you're playing. Call of Duty Warzone, as yeah, I do frequently, length, yeah. to great success. Yeah, session length is different. Engagement is different. The way they monetize is probably a bit different. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, I just want—I uh, want to point out I, I had three—I had, I had like three Warzone different. victories last week. Oh. Eric Cress has hated on me in the past, <laughs> but it really was my Wi-Fi speed that was holding me back. It really was. No, dude, when you're, you're such a fucking, you're such, wait, so now you just, just go. you're such a fucking noob, dude. You're just playing bots, right? Of course oh, you're going to win, right? No, you're so bad <laughs> that the only way that they, that you can play is like put on bots on there. All right. Oh, anyway. man. Um, oh, I was going to talk about, are we, are we done? Yeah, I think he had to go. But anyway, I got I, I got I to gotta jump as well. All right. Well, quickly, I want to do an over under on Diablo. Um, on mobile, I, I forget mm -hmm. the PC stuff because I actually probably will play the PC and probably will not play the mobile. But I think they get to the forty million 
50 million downloads and probably do about 100 million in revenue. That's my over under in the West, in the West. I don't think they get to 40 to 50 million. I don't think they get to 40 to 50 million downloads. That's a lot of that's downloads. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's course. Asia as well. Lot, All right. Yeah. Let's say 30 million downloads. Yeah. 100 million in revenue. 30 in million? 12 months. They did 40 million pre-regs. I would put them at 20. All right, all right. 20, 20 wow, million that downloads. happens. That would be that'll a be, lot already. That'll be far worse I'm, than 100 million. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go 15 because I don't want to go over. I'm going 15. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Dude, it's Diablo. Who but it's about the Diablo? dollars. Like it's us. all about the dollars. Like it, that's what the, the revenue. So yeah. 100 million? Does that sound right in 12 months? No. No way. For an action RPG, that would be insane. Uh, I would say that they go up in in – in net revenue, it would be between 30 to 40. Oh I'm say God. 40. I'm being Jeez. generous. <laughs> I'm generous with 40. All right. Super generous. Like, I like Blizzard. You're going to get to 40, guys. That's going to be great that's for an action RPG. It's a disaster zone. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's like, they've lost so yeah. much money on that. Um, okay. All right. I think, I, are we done? Well, all, I, I all about, but it's cross, yeah, it's cross platform and they can make a lot of money on PC just no. like they do with their other franchises. So we don't know, but we're talking about mobile and, and, but overall it might be profitable just like TFT and just like, um, um, all the other, other, other games. So anyways, on that note, we're out, we're done. Right. We're over time. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, keep sending feedback. We keep correcting or not correcting, but we're always open and always appreciating this the feedback you guys are sending. So we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And on that note, we are out. <laughs> <laughs>